listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. We have the amazing opportunity to pray for a special group of people um, this morning. Um, this Wednesday, there will be 19 of us that are going to be going to South Africa on a mission trip. And we don't just want to go, we want to be sent. So that means as a community, we just want to in, in faith, put faith in the journey where God is sending us. But we just want to take time to pray. These individuals have been fasting, they have been praying, they have given. And what's going to be happening over these, some of them are going to be gone, it seems like 40 days. It's like, what, 16 days, I think. They're going to be doing a, a seven-day school. They're going to be doing some outreaches. They're going to be doing a supernatural lifestyle school. Then they're going to suffer for the gospel on a safari in Kruger Park. So it's going to be an amazing time. But what we want to do in this moment as a family is just take a moment to just pray for them that God would cover them. But also that these next, this, this next season that they step into would be a season of marking. How many of you have ever been, ever been on a trip and have just come back different? Two of you, awesome. Well, we're going to believe for more than two on this, uh, on this trip. Uh, what I've learned is that as we have gone, typically my wife and I, to, to Africa, to Mexico, to different places, that we have always come back in a different way. So we want to believe God that as they've gone, they've sown, they've fasted, they have prayed, that God would touch them, but also touch those that they are being sent to. Amen? So if you're on the mission seat, would you just stand? We're not actually going to have you come forward because we want the body to pray. There's more of you than there you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody stand. If you're going on the trip, cool. If you're around these individuals, can you just reach out next to them? We just want to take a moment here to pray. Somebody just pray here with Angela. I just want everybody covered, so I'm going to wait for a second. Can we just pray together here as, as we believe God for this moment that he has ordained? Father, in Jesus' name, God, we ask you that your blessing and your grace would be upon the South Africa mission trip team, God. We pray that, that as they go, that they would go in power, in faith, in courage, and in boldness, God. We thank you for the sacrifice, for the finances they have sown to go reach a people group, God. We thank you, God, that you will be on their lips, that you will go before them and behind them, God. We ask that there would be supernatural, abundant fruit before every single student that goes on this trip, God, we ask for the nation of South Africa, God, that you would open up the doors and the windows of heaven, God, that there would be healings, signs and wonders and salvations in Jesus' name, that you would give us eyes to see, hearts to discern, God, as we go across the sea, Father, we ask that you would go before us, that you would begin to prepare the hearts of pastors and leaders and individuals that are to be marked by the gospel of Jesus. We thank you for a hedge of protection. And God, I ask you for this team, that even as they go, that their hearts would be marked. Even now, God, that you would begin to make our hearts tender and responsive to your leadership, God. That we would go only where you would want us to go. That we would say only what you would have us to say. We want to move according to your spirit, to what you're doing and what you're saying. So we pray even now, over these next few days, as we're praying and fasting, God, would you open up the hearts of our understanding? And would you begin to speak to us now? God, as a community, as a spiritual family, we send this team. They're not just going there being sent by a family. And we bless you. We cover you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Can we just celebrate these that are going? 
Man, they have spent thousands of dollars to go across the sea to go preach the gospel. So I'm just believing for an incredible time. If you guys can be praying, we leave on Wednesday on a united flight, what seems like an eternity in an airplane in Jesus' name. So pray for us and for Geo's back in Jesus' name. So I want to jump right into the word. Um, we've been in a collection, in a series, talking about Holy Spirit. How many of you were here last week? We opened up a dialogue about the person of the Holy Spirit, and that was the initial point of last week. We were trying to make um, an essential statement that Holy Spirit is not a thing, He is a person. And that we want to engage with the person of Holy Spirit, and we want to learn His ways, His attributes, His personality. And we don't just want to learn from Him at, at a distance, we want to have intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember this? I just want to lay a foundation because we're going to, every week, hopefully build upon that which came former. So we talked about what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit, but also what happens when the Holy Spirit isn't present. Do you remember? Without the Holy Spirit, church becomes a social club. It becomes this mundane, lifeless organization that is CEO-driven and is led by whiteboards and strategies. But, but a church of the Spirit, it doesn't mean we don't have whiteboards and strategies. It means that the Holy Spirit breathes on every effort of the church. Because listen, God is into organization. There are whole books of the Bible. Like if God wasn't into that, he wouldn't have given Moses a blueprint on the mountain. It's not that God is against organization. It's when we begin to organize outside of the presence of God. When we organize outside of the presence of God, we begin to build in the flesh. And then we be, everything becomes disastrous. But when we become a people of the Spirit, He begins to breathe on our efforts. Not just as a church, but in our families, on our businesses. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that as we begin to learn about the Holy Spirit and what He gives to us, that it begins to touch every, every aspect of your life. That we begin to invite Holy Spirit into our jobs, into our families, into every sphere of influence. We begin, I invite you in, Holy Spirit. How do you want to lead me in this moment? Because here's the reality. There are businesses inside of you that are not yet birthed. There are ministries, opportunities, there are people that God wants to, to yoke you with that are led by the Spirit that will bear much fruit in life. But the, but the point is we have to be in the Spirit. Not just a one time a year, Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit touching you and asking for fire. But you fellowshipping with Holy Spirit and learning that there is a dynamic life that is available for you. And there is true freedom. And that's where we landed last week. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? And we establish that while the Spirit of God is everywhere, the Holy Spirit is not supreme authority everywhere. So, so what we establish is where the Spirit is Lord, there there is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is the supreme authority. Like we just, man, half of what we just did in worship was not planned today. I was here for practice. But when the Spirit begins to move us in a direction and we yield, we get to step into environments like we just had. And it delivers us because we're no longer wowed with personalities, with systems and programs. We're no longer wowed by a person. We begin to be, we're wowed by the King Jesus, by the Spirit of God and His activity among the people. And it's not emotionalism. Oh, Curtis just stopped me on the way down. He said, hey, listen, the people need to know it's not emotionalism. It's foundational. 
that when God begins to touch your heart, the enemy would come in and say, it doesn't take all that. That's emotionalism. No, that's God answering the prayers of the people that are saying, God, tenderize my heart. Make me tender. I want to feel again. I don't want to be numb. I don't just want to know. I want to feel the presence of God. I want to experience his joy and his peace and his goodness and his mercy. And I want him to make my heart soft. I don't want to read the Bible or talk about him or sing about him with dry eyes. I want to be moved by him. But again, this is only, say only. It's only a work of the Spirit. So we begin to dive into John 14 where Jesus promised us. Man, how many of you know when Jesus makes a promise, he keeps it? <laughs> There's not one unanswered promise of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's, if it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. But he, but he promised us the Holy Spirit, and he promised us this dynamic life. And what I realize, even as I begin to study, is there's nobody that doesn't want a life in the Spirit. A life in the Spirit is the best life. There is no greater life than a life in the Spirit. When you're truly living a life of adventure and of awe and of wonder and of journeying and, and, and going places where you never thought you would go and doing things you never thought you would do. Listen, if you would have told me as an 18-year-old kid getting saved as a drug addict what I would be doing today, I would have laughed in your face. But this is the life of a follower of Jesus in the Holy Spirit. That he takes you places you never thought you were going to go. I'm not talking about a microphone or a ministry position. I'm talking about a life that is abandoned. That can be lived just as abundant and fulfilled in the workplace. Where you can begin to change your sphere of influence. And you can begin to be Jesus in the places of darkness, at your job, in your family. Where God says, everywhere you go, I go. A life in the Spirit. And so kind of what I want to settle for us today is, is what does the Holy Spirit want? What does Holy Spirit want from us as a people? We, we established last week that he is a person. He has thoughts and emotions, right? He can be grieved. He can be made glad. He can be moved. How many of you know Catherine Kuhlman? She was an amazing revivalist. Her, her, biggest, her biggest emphasis was, please do not grieve the Spirit. That was her plea. Do not, she would weep and say, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit is a person, there are things that can attract Him, and there are things that can retract Him. But also, if we're engaging in a relationship, how many of you know that there are dynamics within the relationship? There are things I can do with my wife that can move her towards me or can move her away from me. And so it's important to define the relationship. Because again, I believe everybody wants relationship with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I believe everybody at a fundamental core level, you are wired to want life in the Spirit. But most people don't know what that looks like. What does it look like for us to live in relationship with Holy Spirit, to be connected to the person of Jesus, and live in awe and wonder at the person of God? To grow in the knowledge of God. And that's some of what I want to touch on today, how, how we can live in communion with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I want to read to us 2 Corinthians 13. 
And I want to start at verse 11. If you want to open up there, it should be on the screen. But this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And this is one of the last things he says to the, this people group. So he has is, he is discussed many things with them. He is speaking to them about issues in the church. He's correcting wrongs. He is admonishing them for the right. But then he ends this letter to them, and he's admonishing them. And he says this, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind and live in peace. He's very directionally giving them a way of life. Again, be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Be in unity. Live in peace. And the love of God and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, which would have been a way to greet one another. All the saints greet you. And then he says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the last thing he says is, I want you to be in these three things. Do you see this? Are we tracking? To the people in Corinth that were experiencing much of God, he has given them an admonition. He's saying, I want you to remain in these things. Again, I want to make it really plain. What is he asking them to remain in? The grace of Jesus, the love of God, and communion in the Holy Spirit. Very direct because, because he's learned. I've told you a lot, but what's going to keep you in the circle of dynamic fellowship is this. The grace of Jesus, the love of God, and communion with Holy Spirit. And so I want to define what does it mean to have communion with the Holy Spirit. And I want to give us language and understanding because how many of you know language matters? We've lost language in our day and we've made words mean what they don't. For example, like how can I say I love my wife and I love Taco Bell? To, to equate the word love with what I have with destiny and equate it with Taco Bell, praise God, it dilutes the word love. Now, I can have affinity for that Doritos Locos Taco, but it's never going to be the same. Do you see? This, my point is language matters. And if we don't have proper language, we don't have proper perspective. And if we don't have proper perspective, we don't have proper behavior. So, so what does it mean to have communion with the Holy Spirit? The word communion there means koinonia, which I want to define what that can mean for us. It can mean fellowship, companionship, communication, intimacy, sharing together, social intercourse, partnership, joint participation, close mutual association. But I want to define it in a few ways for us today, not just for definition, but for invitation. Now, if I'm speaking today and you're just retaining information, we're missing the opportunity to step into invitation. When I give you information, that's okay because we need information to get revelation. But you know you've received revelation when it becomes a way of life. I want to say it again. Information's no good if it doesn't lead you to way of life. So what I'm about to say to you is not just, oh, well, that's what Holy Spirit wants. No, this is the invitation, the on-ramp for us as a people to go deeper. What Desiree was just praying about. God, take us deeper. It's not just going to happen. If I can lay hands on you and you can live a deeper life in God, that would be so easy, but it doesn't work that way. Because there are things that are produced when nobody's watching. When it's just you and Holy Spirit that are dynamic and that are available only for you. And they're beautiful and they're intimate, but, but this is what God is looking for. So I want to define it very clearly on the beginning. How can we define communion? Fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. Partnership. Fellowship. Intimacy. What does it look like for us to fellowship with Holy Spirit? 
to take time. I said it last week, but I think it bears repeating again. One of the primary assignments on your life that is trying to stop you from stepping into a life in God is busyness. A lack of margin. Everybody you talk to, how you doing? I'm good, man, but I'm just busy. You, you try to, you, if you try to just fellowship with a person in the natural right now, if you're going to hang out, it's like, we're going to have to hang out like maybe in August. Let's put it on the calendar. I really want to hang out with you, but maybe like in October we can set a date. And that's, that's where life has gotten because the severity of, 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 of busyness. But I think we've got to ask the question. Like we've got to assess our lives. Again, in the context of fellowship and having the right kind of fellowship which means assessing what's happening around me and asking myself, what am I really giving my life to? How many of you know not all relationships are equal? We don't talk about it, but it's the truth. Not all relationships, Jesus had one, then he had three, then he had 12, then he had 70. Not all relationships are equal. We love all people. But how you fellowship and who you fellowship with matters. Which means I have to define and I have to look at my life and say, man, I may be busy, but what is all this busyness producing? If I'm looking at my calendar and I am busy from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., but it's not producing John 15 lasting fruit, I have to ask Gio, Gio, what are you doing? Because being busy for the sake of being busy is, doesn't always equal production. It doesn't always equal life and godliness. So again, we've got to pull back and we've got to ask, what does it look like for me to have a dynamic life of fellowship with Holy Spirit? Now again, this is going to be challenging for you because if you think of Holy Spirit as an object or thing, it would be difficult for you to fellowship with Him. It would be like, Gio, what are you doing? Well, I'm just fellowshipping with this pulpit. Me and this pulpit are fellowshipping for the next 48 hours. Be like, bro, that pastor has issues. Why? Because the pulpit is a thing. But if I'm fellowshipping with a person, then there's a two-way exchange. It's not just me talking. It's not just me present. There are two present. And there are things I share with him, and there are things he shares with me. And we begin to grow in intimacy because, because we are fellowshipping. So again, very practically, if you find yourself in a place where you're like, I just don't have the margin or the time, we've got to reassess our lives. We've got to ask ourselves the question, how did I get to the place in my life where I have created not enough margin for God? Because again, God is Father three in one, right? So to say I don't have time for Holy Spirit is to say I don't have time for God. And to make time for Bible reading but not to fellowship with Holy Spirit will lead to information but no revelation, which will lead to no relationship. Because again, the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to introduce you to the person of Jesus, which reveals the Father. So in order for us to really grow in intimacy with the Father, it has to look like making time, space, and effort with Holy Spirit. Now, I know this is weird because it's going to look like you creating blank space of not being on Facebook or Instagram for 30 minutes. It's going to look really weird because it may look like you waking up earlier or going to bed later. It may look like you looking at your calendar for the next three months and canceling appointments. And being okay with people being offended because we realize maybe I've been offending God for a little while. But it's a reassessing. Here's the reality. I just want to say this very plainly. If people in your life are offended with you because you're growing closer to God, you maybe just need to let them go. If, you're, if you tell your circle, hey, I've got to pull back 
because I need to get oil. And they're going to be offended with you. Then you may not be in the right circle. You may, I'm not going to say that, but I want to say it so bad. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Self-control is the fruit of the spirit. No, I'm not. Because I'm learning to be led by the spirit. We're talking about fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. I want us to think about it like this. The same way that I would invite you to coffee at Starbucks. And, and I would, when I go to coffee at Starbucks with somebody I've never met, I'm thinking through what I'm going to say when I show up. I'm not just going to show up. Because I'm not having that awkward conversation like, hey, bro, how's the weather? That's okay for Sunday mornings. But if I'm going to Starbucks for like an hour, I'm thinking through what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to ask you questions. Because again, the truest, the, the base level of intimacy is intrigue. I want to learn the person across from me. Meaning, when we're talking about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, it's not just creating a blob, like just a block of time for a block of time. I'm wanting to learn this person. I'm wanting to grow in intentionality with this person. Because I want to grow in fellowship. So I, I want to move. But I want to say, again, busyness is an assignment of the enemy to keep you stuck. Some of us feel stuck. How many of you ever felt stuck? Don't lie. All y'all have felt stuck before. If you don't know, you don't know, but you're still stuck. That's the saddest thing. When people know you're stuck, but you know you're stuck, it's like, wow. One of the primary reasons people are stuck is not because God has passed them by. They're too busy. They've got no margin to hear the voice of God, which becomes the fuel in the engine to go forward. And this, is, this can become devastating to the Christian believer because, because we begin to look around and believe that God just has his hand on other people. And we begin to pull back, well, maybe God just doesn't care about me. Maybe God just, man, I have all these dreams and all these desires, all these things, but it seems like God never meets me in those places. I'm telling you, I, there's an invitation today to, to lean in to a life of fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. Benny Hinn wrote, wrote a really good book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. You could have your opinions about whatever, but the premise was every morning he would wake up and invite the Holy Spirit into his day. Like instead of waking up, imagine if the first thing you didn't do was look at your phone, but it was like, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my day. What do you want to say to me today? Who do you want to speak to me about today? What do you want to show me in your word today? What do you, what do you want to do today? Now, I would love to tell you that I live every day like that, but that's not how I live every day because there are pressures and there are things that happen. But I think this is where God is inviting us into. Where we wake up in the morning and it's not, I'm not thinking through my to-do list for the day, but Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? How do you, again, we're fellowshipping with him. We're inviting him into these circles. And we're realizing that, I mean, I, I've realized this, that the Holy Spirit wants to be my friend. I just, want to, I just want to pause there for a moment. Because when the, primi when the primary center of a relationship is activity and producing and doing, it becomes exhausting. So this is why this is so important. Because if you think of the Holy Spirit only as a person that wants to do things through you, the gifts or produce in you to do with you, that's not a relationship that's based in love. That's a relationship that's based in doing. And again, in the context of last week, it produces many slaves but few sons. But if you understand that 
Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He doesn't just want to do through you. He wants to do with you. You see how different that is? In my relationship with my wife, how exhausting would it be if she only did what I wanted her to do? I can tell you right now, it wouldn't work, number one. But number two, the relationship just wouldn't last because no relationship wants to be one way. So what I'm trying to show you is the dynamic relationship between you and Holy Spirit is based in friendship. You are a friend of God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Are you alive? If, if, you, per, if you base your relationship with Holy Spirit on doing, you are going to burn out. You will be exhausted and you will become bitter. Listen, I started in ministry school with about 20 guys, 20 guys and girls. I remember being in that room, God touching us in dynamic ways. We were marked time and time again, and we made covenant with our mouth. We're doing this for the rest of our lives. Many of them don't even serve God today. Because when you based your relationship with God and what you're going to do for him, instead of understanding I am a friend and I'm going to move from friendship. And if all of it goes, guess what? It goes. But I'm going to remain a friend. My friendship is not based on my assignment. But if you don't have fellowship, you're never going to get there. Because you're going to get it here, but you're going to be devastated here. When you begin to say, sing songs like, God, purify me and refine me, and he begins to pull on those things that are really pulling on your heart more than he is, and you become devastated. I'm going to move on. So very clearly stated, when friendship is based only on activity or agenda, it can only go so far. If you feel your heart is hard and tired, I would, I would ask you, go back to friendship with Jesus. Do you hear me? Just go right back to friendship with Jesus. But, but here's the deal. As you fellowship, the natural progression from fellowship is that we would step into partnership. Now, when you step into partnership, in a true partnership, both sides give a little. Now, God is God. God is sovereign. And God can do whatever he wants to do. Let's just get it clear. God can do whatever he wants. God is sovereign. But for whatever reason, the Trinity found themselves in perfect union and love. And at a certain point from eternity past, they said, we want to share this with the people. And you and me were created. And then he decided to step into partnership with us. This is so important. Because if all we knew, if all it was was a holy hot tub, and we were just, oh, I just want to receive the love of God. That's good. But here's the truth. The, the great commandment, right? The commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. But the second commandment would be love people. <laughs> so in your love and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the next thing that it would lead us to is we would partner with God to reach his people. And this book is full of a people who have partnered with God. Listen, when God sent the flood, if he wanted to, he could have just made Noah and his family float above the water for 40 days a night. Like, whoop, there you go. Just float on up there. But for whatever reason, he asked them to build a boat. For whatever reason, 100 years, he had to be the crazy guy building a ship, saying something's coming. If God wanted 
to open up the Red Sea, he could have just done it. But he told Moses to raise a stick. I don't know about you if you've thought through that story. As millions of people are looking for the strategy, and Moses is like, I got this. He picks up a stick, and he's like, here we go. That's not like, wisdom's like, no, bro, we need more than a stick. They're coming. But, but it takes partnership. God could have done whatever with Abraham, but for whatever reason, he had to leave everything he knew. It took dynamic partnership for him to become the father of many. And unfortunately, in our culture, and I'm not trying to be demeaning, but we have learned much language, but few way of life. We've learned how to say all the right things, but we lack the courage to step into all the right things. But I'm telling you, as you fellowship with him, the very next thing he's going to do is share his heart about his people with you. And then the next progression is, what are you going to do about that? I'll never forget hearing a story of Mark Rutland. I don't know if you guys know Mark Rutland. Amazing man of God. He was sharing this story of going overseas to a third world country. And this pastor shows up in this village. And there are girls, young girls, young boys that are being sex trafficked, human trafficked. And they're, and they're, and they're, they're building shoes, making shoes for like pennies on the dollar. And the pastor goes on this mission trip. And he's rattled by what he has, what he is seeing. I mean, this is the pastor in America. He's rattled by the devastating thought that this is happening in the world and he's living on this side of the world. So, so in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit's dealing with him and he goes in the hotel room and he begins to knock on the door of Mark Rutland. And he knocks on the door and it's late at night. And as he's knocking on the door, Mark Rutland opens up the door and he says, somebody's got to do something about this. It's injustice. It's wrong. I'll never forget the words. Mark said, I put my hand in his finger in his chest and I said, you're somebody. You do something. I mean, that's what's going on in the world right now, right? We think somebody's doing it, but the reality is, no, they're not. I just sat in a room for about 14 hours with leaders in this region, and, and a ministry came, Christ Together, from another state. They've met with 300 cities, and the, the basis of the meeting was this. How can we mobilize the church, capital C, because I many of you there's only one church. How do we mobilize the church for true city transformation? And so part of what they did is they assessed the state of the union for Tampa. In Tampa right now, there's a, well, around 4 million people. Out of those 4 million people, around 800,000 of them are claimed by some form of religion. Out of those 800,000, around 200,000 are categorized as evangelical Protestants. Out of those, only maybe 20,000 actually go to church twice a month. Out of those, maybe 5,000 are, are disciple-making Christians. Think about the state of where we're living right now. And the question that was posed to us, and I posed it to us as a spiritual family, was this. Are we really winning if our churches are growing and there's a lot of spiritual activity within the church, but everything on the outside is dying? How are we defining the win? If our churches are growing and we're building campuses, listen, we're a growing church, I get it. We celebrate all that God is doing. But are we really winning if we're growing, 
but the state of lostness on the outside is increasing in dynamic form. The statistics of the next generation leaving the church are higher than ever. And what I'm beckoning us for is to live life in the Spirit and partner with Him because what I know is that God is not done with Tampa Bay. Do you hear what I'm saying? If the basis of our Christianity is coming to church and, and receiving information and leaving unchanged, we will do nothing. All the prophetic words we've released over that are over Tampa, the Bay of the Holy Spirit, God, you're going to do it. All of the dreams, who do you think God's going to use to do it? You've got to answer the question. All of the things that God has said, who is God going to use to accomplish those things? A remnant people who have refused to compromise who have answered the invitation to consecration and who have given themselves to life in the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what's required from us as a people. A life in the Spirit requires partnership with the Spirit of God. And it's not always going to be easy. I just want to like rip the band-aid off now. There are things that other people are going to be allowed to do that you just can't do. It's not religion. It just is what it is. I was reading the book of Judges. It's a really random book this week in the prayer room. And in Judges 17, it says this. There was a time when the people of Israel had no king, and the people did what was right in their own sight. What, is, what a prophetic picture for what happens when we lose when we lose sight of Jesus as King and Lord. That when Jesus ceases to be King and Lord, meaning He rules and reigns, and He sets the parameters, the people will, will naturally go to doing what is right in their own eyes. I don't know about you, but that's scary. I want to live a life in the Spirit where we are being led by the Spirit of God. Where we are partnering with God, where we are seeing the supernatural become natural. Man, I don't know how many generations heard about the Red Sea, but the reality is we've got no Red Sea stories to tell today. I believe God is inviting us as a people to step into moments of impossibilities that would prophesy to our kids that we still serve the God of the impossible. That God is not just interested in building churches. Can we get this? God is not just interested in building churches. If the greatest vision for Judah's life is to become a pastor, I have failed. If that's the pinnacle for what it means to be a Christian, we have failed our children. The pinnacle of the Christian life is quick obedience to the Spirit of God. No matter what it looks like. To quickly obey his voice. If that looks like you cutting trees and building a business. If that looks like you being an electrician. If that looks like you being a pastor, so be it. But let your children see you being in partnership with God. And you yielding to his voice. And God blowing on your endeavors because you have been obedient. I should probably drink water. First Corinthians 3 9 says this. Paul describes the people of God as fellow co-laborers with God. Think about your life. 
really, like let's just take a moment and think. How often are we co-laboring with Christ? Now, I know as a community, we do that a lot in the prayer room. But I want to ask you, even outside of these doors, how often are you co-laboring with Christ? And again, we just talked about the state of lostness in the church. We're like, well, somebody should do something about that. I agree. I, I think it should be us. I, th- I think it should be us. I'm not saying we've got to mobilize every evangelistic effort. I think it has to look like people on mission for God. So we're going to fellowship with God, and that fellowship is going to lead us to partnership. But I want to share with you what's going to keep it all grounded and rooted. It's going to be intimacy. It's going to be intimacy with the Holy Spirit and you understanding that there is something available to you that maybe you've never touched, seen, or felt before. Listen, I've been around the charismatic movement for a long, long, long time. And every time I've heard the ministry of Holy Spirit be talked about, it's always been in the context of power. Power evangelism, power this, power that. Hey, Kenny, can you turn my mic up a little bit? Man, I don't want to lose my voice anymore. Power evangelism, power this, power that. But I've heard very few messages about intimacy with the person of Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, that the Spirit searches the deep things of God. And why does he search the deep things of God? Because he wants to share them with you. Why has the church become so seeker-friendly and surface levels? Because we no longer search the deep things of God. Listen, family, I want to share with you, if, if you don't know, God has deeper things he wants to share with you. Some of those things will make your heart glad and some of those things will break your heart. On Wednesday night, they were praying in this prayer room for the foster care system and for orphans. And travail and just weeping came about the room. What was happening? Again, it's not emotionalism. When God begins to share his heart with you, it does something to you. If mountains melt like wax before the Lord, how can you think that the presence of God will do nothing to you? How did we get there? Mountains melt like wax before the Lord, but I can go untouched. But God, he's looking for a people to be intimate with. And that intimacy means something. You know, we talk a lot about things that we're going to do, but sometimes it's the thing that you, things you don't do. Moses rose a staff. Abram left his native country. Peter stepped out of the boat. But you know what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow. And sometimes what you refuse to do matters as much as what you do do. Sometimes our, our partaking in things that are not of God are actually pushing the agenda of the enemy forward. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Why am I saying this? Because as you begin to be intimate with the person of the Holy Spirit, he is going to begin to put his finger on things that you're going to think is re- religion. You're going to think is legalism. And you're going to think, and here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. The way the Holy Spirit often works in my life is a whisper. 
How many of you ever experienced this whisper? It's not loud. It's not a shout. It's not abrasive. It's not demanding. It's a whisper. And it's an invitation. And the more noise I allow in my life, the more chaos. How many of you know you can be in a silent room, but it can still be really loud in here? Because stillness, stillness is different than quietness. And as we begin to allow voices and circumstances and situations and all of the extra stuff to, to come in, the voice of the Holy Spirit gets drowned out. And in the place of intimacy, what I believe God wants to do is he wants to invite us back to where we can hear his voice. Matter of fact, let's just stop right here for a moment and let's ask the Lord together. Father, we ask you right now in Jesus' name to open our ears to hear. Father, would you, would you free us from the deafness of your voice? In Jesus' name. Your word says that your sh my sheep hear my voice. And another voice they do not follow. We ask for your voice to be released, God, in this building. In these people. Among us in Jesus' name. Right now, God, would you loosen the voice of the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear the whisper. Help us to hear your voice and help us to respond. I want to land this plane. There's a few other things I want to say to you. You thought we were done. No, no, this is part two. I'm kidding. Just a few more things. In the context of intimacy, the Holy Spirit has made you his dwelling place. I don't want to blow past that. I want you to think about that. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has made you his dwelling place. I want to read to you a few scriptures. Ephesians 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you, say me, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? I want to read to you again. Because in case you don't know, I want you to know. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So therefore glorify God with your body. Do you see the picture? That God has made you his home by the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know when somebody visits your home is different than when, when, when somebody moves in? When somebody visits your home, there may be some conditional adjustments that need to be made to make way for that visitation. But when there's a habitation, it's completely different. 
When somebody visits, you may be able to just hide a few things because that person's not going in that room. You could push things under couches and beds. Whatever it's got to be to make the place adjustment adjusted to the visitation. But when somebody's staying, it's different. Because now your whole way of life is changing because this person's not just visiting, they're staying. Do you get the picture? God's not just visiting you on Sunday mornings from 10 to 12. We don't just, oh God, forgive me, I repent. Do that, repent. But also know that when you leave at 12, he's going with you. And when you're at home, when that person cuts you off and you give him the special finger, he's there. It's that one. <laughs> he's there. I mean, this has to change our way of thinking, right? If I've become the dwelling place of God, then it has to change the things I allow into the dwelling. Like, man, there are things that I just don't allow into my home because it's my home. And my problem, this is for, man, for all the fathers in the room, we honor you, we love you, we bless you, man. For those of you that are really fathering and not just creating babies, <laughs> man, we, we bless you. One, one of your primary assignments is to cover your home. It's to have the conviction that the Spirit of God is welcome and is invited and is hosted within your home so that we can breed and create an atmosphere of intimacy where our children can feel God and sense God, engage with God and move with God. Think about this, man. I did not grow up in a home where I was taught to journey with Holy Spirit. How many of you did have that? Praise God, man. But, but what I know, it, it's a minority. But we have the opportunity now to create an environment, man, our homes, where we're saying we're going to create an intimate, an intimate home of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And the reality is there are layers and, and layers of access. Listen, when we truly become intimate with Holy Spirit, there are things He's going to share with you. Here's the truth. There are things I share with destiny I'm never going to share with you. It doesn't matter how long we hang out. There's a level of intimacy that I'm going to have with my wife that goes beyond any kind of physicality. Because she's my wife. And the deeper you journey with the Holy Spirit, the more He begins to share with you. The more He begins to open up the Word for, with, to you, and the more He begins to entrust you. I'm convinced that in the church, the primary reason we don't see more people being released and entrusted is because they're asking for it with some sort of agenda and not from the basis of love and fellowship with Holy Spirit. God, trust me with more. God, I want to do more. But, but the question is, why do you really want more? <laughs> do you really want more because you've been gripped with God's burden for the more? Or because you have some dream or notion for how you're a visionary, or you're supposed to accomplish so much for God? And God forbid you don't accomplish your assignment. I'm telling you, we want to be delivered from that. I want to be delivered from that. I don't want to do what I have to do because I have some pressure because I have an assignment on my life. 
I want to do what I do because I'm in love. I love God and the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to me. Not just about what to do with this church, but how to love my kids. How to love my wife. How to prioritize the right relationships. I want you to see that this intimacy with the Holy Spirit goes way beyond your ministry assignment. It touches every area of your life. It may look like you hearing about somebody who has a financial need. You're like, bro, okay, I'll pray about that. And then when you pray about it, guess what? You become the solution to your prayer. Could you imagine that? You're like, God, I just pray for a financial breakthrough. Then God's like, I want you to do it. You're like, get behind me, Satan. I rebuke you, devil. It may look like God inviting you into a new circle of friendship, and then that rejection button gets pushed. I just don't belong in this circle. And you're saying, you know what? I'm going to lean in because God led me here. I want you to see that this, it, it may look like you stepping out of certain circles and saying, you know what, man? Like, I just need a new circle in this season because where God is taking me. Again, it's not demeaning anybody around you. It's just where you're at is going to require a certain kind of people. What's my point? Intimacy with Holy Spirit is going to touch every aspect of your life. And He's going to produce love in you and through you as you recognize it. You have become the address of Holy Spirit. Like, where, where is God? You're like, well, we know He's at 913 Dubloom. No, He's wherever you are. The only reason we have a prayer room at Abide is so that one day you would have the revelation that you become a walking prayer room. It's the only reason. You think it's about logging hours? God forbid. It's that at some point you realize everywhere I go, I get to host God. And everywhere I host God, things change. And I become an agent of change everywhere I go. And so I, I, I just feel like today... To just to land for real, like we're landing the plane. The invitation for us to fellowship with Holy Spirit as we fellowship to partner with Him, but never lose. It's why I didn't want to start here. Because if we end with partnership, we end it, it, it dies. It has to all be based. This is why in John 14, He talks about the Holy Spirit, but then He roots us in the message of abiding. Do you see this? He talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit, what it's going to mean for us, but then he says, you have to abide. You have to remain, and you have to remain in my word. You have to remain in my love, and you have to remain in me. Because without intimacy with the Lord, we lose it all. So let's stand. just want to make space for just a moment. I feel, I just want to echo Katie. She shared with me, she's like, I just feel like this is such a pivotal time for our body. Where God is inviting us to a, 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 a higher level of life in the Holy Spirit. To prepare us for what's coming. 
So I just want to say to us as, as a family today, if you feel dry, if you feel ugh, just this feeling of like, I, that you, there's deliverance from that today. You do not have to remain in that place of stuck and idleness. But Holy Spirit is here today to breathe fresh and new life. To make dry places full of rivers. To make paths that are crooked straight. So I just want to pray for us before the invitation. Father, we pray this morning for ears to hear. For hearts that are tender. God, we're not praying for emotionalism. I want to echo what Curtis said. We want to, we want to be in the foundational thing you're doing. If the foundation's not set, nothing can be built upon it. So, Father, we're asking you to set the foundation. To set and establish the foundation. We say yes to the invitation of fellowship, of partnership, and of intimacy with Holy Spirit. We're asking you now to breathe upon us. Breathe upon us. Release your breath upon a people. We thank you that you see us and you know us. You're present. Holy Spirit. Come, come. I'm going to invite Nikki to come give a word, and then we're, I want us to just corporately contend for that together. And I want us to pray. I just, we gave enough time here to just pray together. We want to pray for individuals who need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, but also just corporately contending for, for God to come in greater measure in our region. Starting last week. Starting last week. Can you hear me? Starting last week and this morning before um, Tyler got up on stage, this is what I felt God saying to the church. Like a tsunami wave recedes before it comes. Stop, look, and listen. Do you hear the sound of mighty Russian waves coming? Plug your nose. In the blink of an eye, it will be upon you. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, 
I will move, I will act, I will respond, and I will heal their land. And in a moment, this right, mighty rushing wave will come and fill every dry cistern, all of the dry wells that have been dug for years and years and years, wells that are called despair, wells that are called hopeless, wells that are called death. All of these wells in a moment will be filled with the water and the waves that come so quickly. Can you hear the sound underground of the irrigation system beginning to beat again? For in a moment, the wells will rise and they will pump again. They will pump and they will move. And they are wells that are filled with freedom. They are wells that are filled with hope. They are wells that are filled with life. They are wells that are filled with mercy. For in a moment, these wells will rise. For if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, in a moment I will act and I will respond and I will move. Ready or not, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, I will come. And in my mercy, my wells will fill. And in my mercy, you will drink. And in my mercy, you will know freedom and hope and life that you've been waiting for in Jesus' name. Can we just corporately just pray together? Just all across the room. We just, we want to invite Holy Spirit to come in greater measures. I'm asking us to pray. We are a house of prayer. Not a house of worship. Not a house of teaching. So Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you to pour out your spirit on our region in greater measure, God. We pray mercy over Tampa Bay. We thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment, God. God, we want to be a people who fellowship with you, who partner with you, who love you, who are intimate with you, God. We pray for every weary and dry soul in this room who have been wounded and battered by religion, by church, by every yoke, God. We ask right now, God, would you liberate the soul would you touch the weary soul in Jesus' name? Would you come in power? God, for those that feel on the outside of what you are doing, God, we ask you to bring them in, to give living understanding. We pray for hope for the hopeless, for strength to the weary that you bring liberty to the captive. We say, come. Holy Spirit, we need you. Forgive us. Forgive us for moving past you and thinking that in our own strength, we could accomplish the Great Commission. We invite you back into our churches, into our homes, into our businesses, into our marriages, we invite you back and we repent for going our own way. Let us not be like the Judges 17 people who had no king. We say you are king and you are Lord and we refuse to do what is right in our own eyes. We yield to your spirit. We yield to your leadership. Before we even ask you for any gift or for any fruit, we ask you to birth intimacy and understanding and friendship. 
foundation, God. Build the foundation. Tear up any faulty foundation that has been built upon sand and lay a solid foundation upon Jesus Christ. You are the cornerstone. You are Lord. want to pray for those in the room that feel like they need a fresh touch by the Holy Spirit or maybe you've never even prayed to receive from the Holy Spirit we're not going to try to do anything weird we're just asking Holy Spirit to touch so if that's you would you just raise a hand you're like that's me I just need a fresh touch all across the room just high up because we're going to come by now if my staff and some of our team can just come just look around there's hands everywhere we're going to pray here together. There's, a, there's many over here. I just need some movement. House church leaders, altar team, just right now, fresh touch. We just declare, even the words of John 14, that you will not leave us as orphans, but you will come. You'll come and you will fill and you will restore and you will renew. We speak to every capped well right now in Jesus' name to be uncapped, that there would be a flowing of living water that would flood out of you, into you, and out of you in Jesus' name. We ask for restoration in every place that all hopelessness and weariness and depression and aloneness would go in Jesus name we pray for dreams that have been lost God would you speak and blow on dreams you have not forgotten you have not forgotten We thank you, God, that you are the God that speaks and accomplishes. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. We speak over your soul. You are not forgotten. The Holy Spirit promises to never leave. Holy Spirit, we invite you in to remove aloneness. Teach us your ways. Break off barrenness. We pray for grace to go the full distance. God, that no dream would be aborted in this house due to weariness or tiredness, God. But God, we go full term. God, may there be a birthing of every dream and desire. God, we pray that the weight would be removed. The yoke of oppression. We bind every spirit that would cripple every son and daughter in Jesus' name. Every Jezebel spirit that would silence the voice 
we thank you for life and life abundant. I just feel led to pray for those that maybe you, you feel tormented in your mind. There's just a barrage of thoughts that have made you tired. We just want to pray a sound mind. There's no shame. We've all been there. But I just feel like God wants to give mercy. If that's you, you would have courage to just lift up your hand so we know how to pray. The enemy's been tormenting your mind. Again, if you guys can find somebody with a hand up, we want to pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray grace. We thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. We pray that the peace of God would guard their heart and their mind. That the blood of Jesus would cover them. We thank you, God, that your blood speaks a better word. I even hear the Lord saying, remember my words that I have spoken to you. They are life. They are spirit. Father, we ask for a releasing of every burden and every weight. Would you break guilt and shame and condemnation off of your children? We ask you for perfect peace to come in now. 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 And lastly, for a few minutes, let's just agree. God, we agree that a tsunami of your spirit would come upon Tampa Bay. God, that there would be a wave of your spirit like never before. God, that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. God, we ask for all four million to be touched. God, that you would touch the darkest places of our region, God, with your spirit. God, not through strategies, but God, would you birth something that no man can touch. God, we've read about places like Brownsville and Azusa and Wales. God, we're asking you to do that in our region, God. Let it not just be words, God. Let us agree. God, we, we ask you to pour out your spirit upon Tampa Bay. God, may we never stop asking and seeking and knocking. We refuse to accept that 90% of our region is lost. We're asking you, God, and we are taking responsibility for the lostness of our region. We refuse to separate ourselves from that. We are saying, God, here we are. Send us. Here we are. Use us. Deliver us from a victim mentality. And God, use us. Use us. Use us in our brokenness, in our weakness. Use us. We're not trying to build a church or do a thing. We ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Tampa as it is in heaven. You're going to do it, God. 
We believe you're going to do it. Our children will see you do it. You're going to do it. It's not just words. You're going to do it, and we believe it. We believe it. And we won't stop until we ask you for courage and for grace to go the distance. God, would you draw those that would go with us? We thank you for the kingdom assignment over every person in this room. Whether they know it or not, there is divine destiny over their lives. And it matters to you and it matters to us. So we bless you. We bless every father in this room on this Father's Day. God, we thank you for raising up fathers, true fathers, that would not just point the way but go the way, that would love well and hold the line, that would train up their children in, in the ways of Yahweh and would disciple their kids and would love their wives and would serve them. We bless every father in this room and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What well, we love you guys. I guess go have a donut on your way out. It's free rain now. Dad or not, Dad, you can have a donut. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you for praying with us. We love you. Pray for us as we're on mission to South Africa. It's going to be amazing next week. We're going to continue on this journey. Give somebody a hug. Have an amazing day.